0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is take two, and we are uh, going to have a conversation on Hosea as, as we discuss idolatry, adultery, brides and grooms, and uh, where we fit into the mix. Yeah. So I guess with that introduction, where, uh, where did you guys land after reading Hosea, Isaiah, and Matthew? uh this week what's what stood out to you guys
1: well um for me you know there was some tough passages in there if i'm being honest and, and the isaiah passages uh, the passages on you know the um you know the you know don't be worried you know, or whatever it was about like the desolate woman will be blessed you know, and her children are going to rule over i mean i was that's I don't know what to make of stuff like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Prophecy sometimes like that is. I I think I took away from it which was, hey, you know, the one who is discarded by humanity or or by society will be lifted up and saved by God. So I, I can I can I can live with that. That's pretty good. But I just gotta say some of that word, some of the words in there were a little tough.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like what? which parts i mean
1: i was the, the, the
0: desolate woman i think i the the like the some of the ones that uh, i think is brutal is the way they name the children mm. i mean what was it like you oh 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 yeah, yeah no sure. mercy yeah <laughs> the Hi. one that's
2: yeah, call her name no mercy yes this <laughs> is my daughter yeah.
0: no mercy yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. this yeah. is
0: my this is my i can't remember if it was daughter or son not my people
2: Yeah. right and that's yeah. when actually i kind of translated on the fly. i mean because it is not my people but i mean literally it's not mine you know and and so that that sense was actually this this is not my kid you know she's already been unfaithful that's kind of the that was kind of the gist that i got you know it's brutal from that yeah. name yeah. mm-hmm.
0: i should probably i probably should have done this earlier we should have introduced Is this going to be audio or video, Peter?
2: Peter? This is going to be video, and it's, uh, you know, I I think the initial uh, subscribers all know us, but uh, there may be others that pop on uh, to the podcast because it will be on our website for uh, until Jesus comes back. So,
0: uh, well, my name is Joel Price. Uh, We've got uh, Pastor Peter Turnus. We've got, you guys said hi, Mark Jones and James Wilborn sharing our collective wisdom which fills up about a thimble
2: yeah.
0: uh, should have done that at the beginning but uh but oh well we're, we're figuring it out as we go how about you mark any what jumped out to you
3: well uh in regards to the peter's message uh, what what really i really like the picture that he painted of gomer on the auction block and and i like how you how you uh, imagine that her eyes were probably closed because she's she's just She's at rock bottom, the pit of despair, so to speak and uh and just not knowing what's going on and then hearing her husband bid on her and bid up and bid up uh that picture that that painted and uh and then the relationship of how we fail God and and uh God is there for us, and he'll bid for us, and he did bid for us and 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 he he paid for us he bought us out of slavery that just that picture that you painted i really appreciated that
0: i want to. say one of the things that i actually wrestled with myself will be besides the i I, and peter you called this out besides the the discomfort of being a bride Mm. uh or being the the woman in the analogy i guess
1: Mm -mm. um which, I got about two uh, minutes on that and then you're here, but <laughs> yeah.
2: go ahead. Yeah, I know you do, well, James, because we've talked about this before. Yep. I know this was coming. So
1: sorry.
0: Well listen, <laughs> let's, let's just stop let's just stop there because I got I have, I have something off of that, that that made my head kind of spin a little bit every every day that I did the reading. Um but and you're with four men on this call, I wish I wish Tyreen or someone else are,
2: could have we been did. on the for on the, the record. Call with we, us, we did invite uh, Tyreen to be a part of this, but she's not feeling too well, and Connie's going to jump into some of these in the future too. So this will not be just a, a boys' club. We promise.
0: Yeah, but I you know ironically we do Hosea and it's it's the all men's club
2: yeah. um, <laughs>
0: on the conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I guess just I guess frankly, where does that land with you guys? Where does it land with um, when you picture yourself as the, as the bride or, or as the wife, the adulterous wife?
1: Well, the, the funny thing about that is that like the, when you put it that way, is um, like the adulterous to me is <laughs> less difficult to accept than the wife part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a. I know I'm a messed up, unfaithful. You know, like I I stray and wander. I, I know that I I don't want to, but I do. But um, you know that imagery of the of the bride and groom is absolutely in the scripture. So I totally I totally acknowledge that. Peter says we got to deal with that, and then I do. I mean it's it's undeniable. Um, but I I do. I do struggle a little bit with it sometimes, and probably that's a little bit because uh, I guess, and I don't even know if it's if, if it's that I'm a man. As much as it is that, and, and, all right. So we're we're, we're probably going to end up in uh, getting censored territory you're, here. You're going to get there one way or the <laughs> other, James. Go for it. Just, <laughs> a just jump right in. Relationship has it has physical intimacy to it that makes unique i mean that is the element of a marriage that sets it apart from every other relationship we have and so it's it is hard for me Mm -hmm. to sort of then try to understand that piece of it in relation to god saying my relationship with you is like that i i don't think he means that any more than he means that like when he says i'm your when god is our father is but that means he had intimate relationships with our mother and Boris. I I don't think that that's true either. So Mm I have to like, what I just have to do is take that stuff out of it and say, there's a deeper, deeper message here Mm -hmm. that I gotta like, set those things aside and say, okay, what is he really trying to say to me when he's comparing my relationship with him to like child to father or husband to wife and, um, and to appreciate that it's it's one of these shadow land things, right where um you know there's a perfect real relationship in heaven and and then on earth we reflect those imperfectly in the world we live in, and um he's trying to tell us something about those perfect relationships mm-hmm. and uh and so but i I do admit that you know it, it's a hard thing i i just don't I just don't see that um you know. The future is, uh, Jesus and I are gonna cuddle on the couch, you know, <laughs> in heaven, I, I, I can't get there. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what he means. Uh, so that, 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 that is my struggle. Now yeah. I have some thoughts on how I get around that, but I, I'll stop there and, and let you guys kind of weigh in where where this challenges you.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in there if that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm glad, I, I knew it was gonna go here. And, and I was thinking, we had a good discussion at our Tuesday group, Mark, Mark, uh, yes. our, our Tuesday group. And it's not just us. Cause uh, one of the gals in our group had a little bit yeah. of difficulty, uh, because of the physical intimacy piece of marriage that is kind of tied in with that. And I, I think two thoughts came to my mind is I, and then I think Mark, you said too, you, you mentioned somebody else who had a struggle with just that word intimacy, you know, that word, you, know, you, you did it yourself, right. somebody else right. who knew had, a, had a struggle with that. and And, and I can understand that. Um, I, you know, I I do resonate with that word intimacy with the Lord. Uh, I think that's a good word. But I think when it comes to this whole analogy of the marriage relationship and that as a picture for our relationship with God, there there does need, need to be a couple qualifiers. You know, you know number one, um, you know, we picture a, a a marriage of today where our understanding is just equal partners and there's kind of this uh, it's a little bit different dynamic than. <laughs> back in ancient times, and so i think the imagery that god is drawing on is is marriage in a little bit different dynamic than today so it's kind of where the mm-hmm. husband is really has a greater role it's not really equal partners the husband is really protector and and this is there to uh kind of um in, in a deeper way even than then maybe today we would say it's um is, is that uh, a little bit more of a, <clears throat> a leader figure uh, even more so than today um, the other piece of it is that this is a picture. You know, this is not the picture, and I don't think you can look at this picture separate from the fact that he's also king, and he's also our shepherd, and and uh, those other. You know, it's like a diamond that you have to look at from different angles, and and every angle something else is drawn out. And so, so I think the the marriage analogy is important. It's it's all through the scripture there is, I think, a deeper, an uncomfortable intimacy that God wants to draw us into. I think that's part of it, but it's, when we immediately think of, you know, our own, you know, relationships, you know, with the spouse, that can muddle it a little bit, and so it can make us uncomfortable in a, in a way that it's, that is not meant to, so I think there's a good way that it needs to make us uncomfortable, that there. God does not want to just be our boss. He wants something deeper than that, uh, and there is a piece of that that is going to make us uncomfortable because uh, just because of what that implies. But um, th- there's some other earthly images and our own, you know, background that kind of brings some pictures in that 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 does muddy the water. So, so permission to not just buy that analogy, you know completely and just uh,
0: apart from everything else. Well, I really appreciate you trying to take the the pressure off. Um but I'm not going to let you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a really nice I mean and I agree, you know, <laughs> you know, God is king, God is shepherd, uh savior, lord, uh father. There's all kinds of different uh analogies or uh ways we try to picture the different aspects of of God or at least scripture tries to portray but just saying that those things exist doesn't take away that this is this is if not the most common it's it's real close to yeah. the most common um description of of God, god's relationship with us as yeah. a as a marriage
2: and, and so that goes to-
0: back to the the discomfort though and and um I'm trying to decide which way I want to go with this, but let's, let's do the, the ancient times thing came up to me as well. Um, what's interesting to me is that the analogy isn't only marriage and adultery, you know, or it's not just marriage or betrayal. It's the perversion of the marriage relationship. So, so while we want to remove the, the physical intimacy, and I know that because I, I want to do that too, uh, and most, I think most guys, probably women as well, have a really hard time speaking on that side, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, it's difficult to connect physical intimacy with uh, what seems like the purity of, of, of God. Mm-hmm. Right. And probably because of how impure mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. but reality is a very difficult spe- thing. Speaking
2: to- of that, uh, Joel, just that is ex- almost word for word. What, this other person in our small group actually okay. raised their, and this was a woman kind of raising
0: that. too. But the problem with removing that and saying like, oh no, it's really talking about marriage and not sex. I'd mm. said it. I said the word. <laughs> okay, um, Is that specifically we're talking about prostitution and adultery. <laughs> this whole <laughs> thing is about prostitution, adultery, children, illegitimate children um and and they're not talking about marriage they're talking about roles god is not like a marriage partner god is the husband
2: mm-hmm.
0: he is not the wife there's no point there's no part you know in scripture where where jesus is the bride where god is the bride god's always the husband god's always the father god's always the bridegroom God's always the masculine. I'm not saying that God's a man, Mm -hmm. but God's always the masculine. Mm -hmm. And we are always the feminine. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I don't want to get, you know, bogged down into the gender stuff. But Mm -hmm. the reality is that there's a, there's a communicated role or assumption you know so it's I, the way i thought of it is when jesus tells a parable about farmers or whatever he's saying it to people because they're going to understand it right when when scripture's writing about god's relationship as a marriage and he always uses the masculine for god and, and always it always uses a feminine for us it's because the people hearing it have an accepted and understood uh picture of what the feminine role is and what the what the masculine role is and in that relationship but so to me there's two things that make this impossible to ignore it's one that is specifically as masculine and feminine and two you cannot remove sex from this story and not and not only that but you know then it's the book more job and revelations people don't usually like to read those i don't like to read those because they they're uncomfortable. The one that makes me is the most uncomfortable to me. Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, <laughs> because if I if I, I if I try to picture that in any way as connecting with God, I get right back to this this uncomfortable topic that I don't want to that I don't want to go to. So
2: that's actually our next series. We're going to do a fifty-two week series on the Song of Solomon.
0: <laughs> oh no way! I'm out. <laughs> Uh,
1: <laughs> i love the song of Songs. it's some of the most beautifully written stuff in the bible but i agree it's it's uh it's challenging to take it much beyond that but.
0: well i think the the, so, the piece so maybe, maybe we'll I'll let me challenge you on this one james or or if you can give me can you picture yourself as the woman for the women that are described in the song of song
1: uh <laughs> what and that god
0: like. and that god is the <laughs> one speaking to you
1: yeah all right so i'm gonna to <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but i'm gonna offer this so I'm, yeah. I'm gonna offer this so okay um so I, I first i'm gonna throw out some word nerdery which is a <laughs> term i got from the and i, pony love, that. Yeah, I you know, love that i love that printing pony podcast word nerdery but so I actually went and said, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the etymology of the word intimate. I'm gonna just kinda go in I and like pick out what this word is. And it's interesting because intimate uh it, it does derive from Latin and it's uh it's got some roots and, and since I don't have my glasses on, I can't read my notes, but essentially the 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 bare bones of, of intimate really means um you know, to to know deeply, to to know inwardly, it, it comes from like inmost, like that's kind of like the root is inmost. To know all the way to the core. And what I found interesting in this little study is that the association of the word intimate to say physical intimacy really is a late uh, invention mm-hmm. of the language. Kind of started in the 1900s with of all things, advertisements for women's lingerie and they started oh, calling them intimate or whatever. But the word intimate for most of its life has not really been associated so much with the physical aspect, but of the, the deep knowledge of another person that really comes from just um, that, 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 that depth of an association, that depth of a, of a relationship together and uh so i i found that interesting um it's almost uh, like uh there were there were elements and aspects of it along the lines of uh the way that artistry is is an intimate expression right and anybody that that does artist type work and and you know like i'll just i'll just pick writing there's there's three at least three maybe four mark i don't know if you write but there's at least three of us here who write two of us who have published one who's going to be published but when you write, you pour out stuff about yourself that's pretty intimate and and to put that out there is, is is' challenging and art in general is that way it's not just limited to writing you know um music you know writing songs and music and all that is the same way but that that depth of expression I think is really kind of what it really was getting to and so um I think that if you put that together with you know um the 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 concept of when all this is written is is um it's really uh, this 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 comparison of our relationship to Christ with marriage is nobody is and and we all know this n- nobody knows you like your spouse it's nobody knows you like your spouse um your parents don't know you like your spouse you spend more time with your spouse just living together. And and learning to live as 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 in harmony with one another. Take all the physical stuff out of it. Still, nobody knows everything about you in the same way that your spouse does. And I think that is probably the key of that um, that relationship. Is God is saying, I want to know you, in that in, in the way that no one else does, in, in the most inmost parts of you. I made you, and so that's the relationship. I desire with you to know you um, as deeply as possible, to know who you are and for you to know me as deeply as I am. And and um, to me, that's that's kind of um, where it's going. And, and I also think there's a little bit of um, the fact that, you know, we have many relationships in our life. We have relationships as, as children to our parents and parents to our children and siblings to our siblings, and our marital relationship and then the bible often brings every one of those in at one point or another to kind of describe aspects of our relationship to god and what i think is that every one of those relationships in some way or another is a piece of how god wants to relate to us and and they each one kind of bring a piece to the puzzle so it's, it's only natural that the one that is the most deep you know, a marital relationship would be in that mix. It would be kind of wrong for it not to be in there. It'd be kind of shallow if it was left out when you consider that father dog you know, father and, and children and, and sibling relationships are, are clearly reflected in there. To leave that one out as as another way that is a reflection of how God wants to know us, I think would be you know, it wouldn't make sense. So in that in, in that sense, I can I can wrap my hands around it and say, okay, I get it
3: i like the picture i uh the the real intimacy in marriage and i think god's design for the real intimacy in marriage is far beyond the physical and it, and it's a uh, it's more about the knowledge but but we do we do live in the physical and and we and we have that and and then the pain of being betrayed in the physical way being betrayed uh, uh yeah. as 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 hosea was by gomer um i mean that just paints a picture to me of of how of i i mean we've all been in circumstances and relationships i I would imagine um um not my current relationship but (laughs) where where we've been betrayed and hurt and uh man it 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 just eats at you and tears at your gut and then to think that my sin does that to god and that's how god feels uh when, when i betray him when when i seek other idols when 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 i when i do when i do adultery, idolization uh, uh, and, and whatever that may be, you know, too much time on my phone or uh, who, who knows? I mean, <laughs> the numerous things and uh, we may not even know. I mean, I think we need to talk to the spirit, need to ask the spirit to guide us. Hey, where where is my idolatry? Uh, open my eyes to that. Cause it could, it could be subtle. We may not notice it. It's a, uh, I think it's much more obscure for us now and much more covert. Than it was back then, where the, where they were doing the you know uh, worshipping the idols. Uh, it was much more apparent, uh, you know, what 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 was idolatry and what was worshiping God. But now we got so many different things that suck us away. I think it's a lot more covert. Uh, but getting back to that, it, the I, I like the picture that it paints. Um, yeah, I can't picture myself as a bride. I like the way Peter mentioned. I think in the early podcast. Uh, thinking of the whole church as the bride uh, that that helps me uh, segregate that a little bit and, and deal with that a little bit but
0: yeah, yeah before we go to that because I wanted to go to the the, the church and the people that the plural um, as well uh, I mean as James we're talking and, and then Mark you just you kind of just hit it again there's multiple betrayal um examples over and over again in in the bible you know whether that is a kind of king subject betrayal you know rebellion or you know neighbor against neighbor friend against friend father child you know the prodigal son or or what have you, you there's all kinds of illustrations of betrayal or abandonment or you know breaking of a a loyalty i guess or a commitment um and while if you were to tell me, and maybe this is a very, very kind of ultra male thing to say, but if you were to say what, what means more the the physical or the emotional, I would say the emotional. But as you were talking, nothing hits harder than physical betrayal. And I, and I'm, and as, as I'm listening to, I'm thinking, that's what, that's what God is equating this to i can actually like deal it, it's wrong but i can deal with a you know a, a peasant a rebelling against a king <laughs> i can i can understand a son leaving his father to go you know you know somewhere else i can i can kind of live with even if i even if i know it's wrong i can kind of live with all those other analogies this one hits way harder I'm not sure why, but I, I do think it has to do with that intimacy thing that um, that James where you were going through in the roots, and Gomer did it more than once, and God, and that that's it, right? God just kept saying, "Take her back."
1: Uh, well, I think what Mark said was, it, "It's kind of an enlightening point, which is that certainly for the purposes of illustrating." the what that betrayal of idolatry means to God as you know by by uh you know using the metaphor of adultery is um powerful i mean it is it's an immediately um recognizable uh you know uh, emotional response that that everyone can kind of say oh gosh that's that's rough oh it's that bad that's what that's how bad it is, you know my my worshiping of idols or whatever yeah. so i I think that for that purpose it's a it's a um it's a very effective you know God expressing in a way that's immediately accessible to everyone. this is how it is to me, okay, this is how yeah. bad your idolatry is. it's not just like you know you know. You know, you you rooted for the wrong team. You know, you know you decided not you decided to root root for the 49ers this weekend instead of the Seahawks. Uh, and that's pretty bad. But you know what? It's different, right? So we all we all do that. And I I think in this in this in this um way it's effective. But I also think Peter said something a moment ago, and it kind of triggered me on it about the way that
2: marriage
1: as sort of like laid out in the Bible and that sort of vision and, and what the role of husband and wives are um, is, is, is a factor too. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of the verses in Ephesians and I can't quite remember. I think it's in chapter five somewhere, but it's that famous verse. It's a weddings all the time or maybe not anymore, but it's, you know, it has the first verse, which is, I don't want to get in trouble here, but this is just what it says. Wives submit to your husbands. Da, 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 you know peter can and, cut and, that and, out and, later you, yeah you can delete that out and then but then it follows up with husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and i i know that that language is bracing to hear in today's terms but when i think about like what god's really saying there it, like why submit to your husbands it's not a i don't think it's intended I i know it's been abused for a long time sure. this way but i don't think god intended it as a form of slavery to the man i really think what it is is it's why give this to your husbands because this is a true expression of your love for him that when a, a woman decides i'm gonna follow this guy and he's gonna be the leader of our family that that trust she places in him to lead and to protect and do what he should do and to raise the children and love and provide that's that's a huge expression of love that men can absolutely embrace right i mean uh, every guy wants to be just admired and, and trusted and felt like their wives and their children you know depend upon them it feeds men And I I think that that's really a root of, of that. It's a, it's a thing for God to say, give wives, give that to your husband and return husbands love your wives. Like why Christ loved the church is, Hey, you guys be ready to lay down your lives and do that. You they're they're putting their trust in you. Your return is to live up to that trust and put them ahead of you and put everything ahead of yourself for your family. And so, see, in that regard, it's a lot more easy for us to understand that, you know, in a marriage sense, what God is saying is, wives, bride, church, put your full trust in me to to protect, lead, and 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 honor, and 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 to love you, and to lay down my life for you, and that's what I pledge. To do that's what I've already done you know already demonstrated that but I will protect you in that same way I will give everything for you and when you read it in those ways it's it's much more comforting to say okay I get that what, what God's asking is hey he wants me to willingly not coercively but willingly put my full trust in him to lead and in return, he's laid his life down for me uh, to save me from all peril, and it's peril that, frankly, I cannot save myself from. We all know that. That's that's good old Lutheran doctrine. We cannot save ourselves from our sin. And so, when I look at it in those terms, and I kind of put those passages in Ephesians together with it, um, and I know that those bug people. But I really think that you know the intent of God isn't to create a, you know, a, you know, women as slaves to men thing. It's really to, to set up, you know, that exchange of love that a marriage really relies on in, in a way that feeds uh, both sides of it um, for their benefit.
0: When we get in Ephesians, the, exactly what Mark was saying on right? So Christ is the husband, the church is the bride, right? The, the, the wife you know, it's Christ love your wife as, or sorry, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. The analogy is Christ and uh, Christ is to husband as as wife is to church, right? The and before getting into the to the the church part of that, the you can you can is it possible to uh, to then take that analogy to Hosea and say? Husbands love your wives as Hosea loved Gomer. Yeah, it, it's a famous wedding uh, verse. Yeah, yeah, not that's not
2: said a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> uh, that's
1: well, where it, you get the supernatural stretch beyond what most humans are probably. I mean, a lot. I think that's that's a stretch for most humans to do, but I do think that that is the that is the point of, of it with God is that. Hey, you know, not only, um, you know, do I love you this way and all that, but even as you fail, falter, fall away, get drug into the depths of hell itself, you know, and I'm going to buy you back and save you mm-hmm. from it, despite all the pain you've caused. Yeah. Me. That's powerful. That's a powerful and, m- image. And, and we,
0: I, I think, again, we go back to ancient times, uh, kind of a, a different perspective, I like to look at Jesus through the lens of a 21st century Christian. Uh, he's a hero. He's a savior. He's a Lord. He's a King. So when, you know, when husbands are supposed to love their wives as Jesus loves the church, I'm like, yeah, sacrifice, sacrifice. Yeah. But kind of in a really heroic way. I, you know what I don't want to be? I don't want to be Hosea. There, There's nothing about that, that I can picture in a heroic way. And mean, I'm just like, Oh, that is just really like every time God asked him to do it again. And he says, yes, I think, Oh man, I'm not sure I would have said yes to that. And I think it's, it's, it's hard. Although it brings back to light people in Jesus' day, didn't see him as a hero. He was dirty and he was hung on a cross and he, and that is, it's why the Pharisees couldn't see him. Or one of the reasons the Pharisees couldn't see him. He didn't look like the Messiah. He looked like he was getting walked on. He looked like he was being taken advantage of. He looked like he looked like someone who couldn't get the loyalty of his people. In fact, he didn't get the loyalty of his people. They crucified him. And we're back to like, which for for I think because of the the modern Christian point of view, I have a I have a hard time remembering that the perceived shame that people would put on jesus i can see much clearer in hosea i mean that's just it's just that's just really really hard and that god does that he just keeps putting himself in that position for us
1: what is interesting and a little ironic that like here we are sort of like talking about how you know like you know the masculine and and our masculinity as guys and all that and yet you know, all of these stereotypical masculine heroic elements are are kind of laid aside here by Jesus, yeah. the the bridegroom, mm-hmm. in that sense that he doesn't care about that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't pick up the sword and fight mm-hmm. the bad guys. He actually chastises his disciples for that. He he doesn't fight and defend himself it's all he he is so single-mindedly focused on his vision of saving his people that there is no degree of 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 shame, debasement, embarrassment or whatever that he isn't willing to take on to achieve that mission and that is a form of heroism that really is challenging Uh, for us to say, I mean, that is not what our culture reflects as heroism. But if you throw aside all the action and just say, what is he achieving? (laughs) It's the most heroic thing possible, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to save as many people from the fire as I can. You know, and he's just doing it in a way that isn't what we traditionally think of. But, um, And that's uh, that's kind of an interesting um you know kind of an interesting twist on the whole thing.
0: So I'm sorry, Mark, I cut you off when I was I uh, think we were talking at the same time. I don't know if if you remember what you were going to say. Oh, I was just uh, I was just thinking of Jose and his
3: role as the husband here and what he's being called to do and how he's being called to love Gomer no matter what. And uh and that's uh yeah, we don't we don't yeah, that's <laughs> Can yeah. we can we that's hard to grapple with uh, also, uh, especially if you have endured pain like that. Uh, but um, I just I just go back, you know, the the simpler picture of it just for me is um, that that physical piece and the pain that that would be if, if my gomer was doing that and then coming back to her and 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 the hurt that I would feel knowing that again, that that I hurt God when I. When I, when I wander away, when I, when I go off and, and yet he's still there and he calls me back and, and yeah, and I was on the auction block and, uh, he, he paid the price for me. That's, that's what's incredible.
2: Yeah. I've been wrestling with that all week too. That whole, um, I'm glad both of you, Joel and Jim really kind of brought it to Jesus there. Cause I, I thought that was, um, I wanted to introduce that that final reading for Friday was, was, was Jesus himself, um, referring to himself, to himself as the bridegroom. It's one thing for these Old Testament references of God loving us like a spouse, like a husband, you know, to a, to a wife. And then the great vision of revelation and, you know, the church is the bride and, you know, that's kind of philosophical. It's a kind of a little disc, but here is Jesus actually identifying himself. I am the bridegroom, you know, and, and right now, My disciples are with me. There, it's like we're we're in this, you know, kind quasi marriage type relationship of some kind. And with himself as the bridegroom, one day the bridegroom's going to take away. Which when he goes, you know, to the cross and resurrection, and we're in that place right now where we don't physically have Jesus the bridegroom with us, but that relationship is still there. And and so basically saying they're going to fast in that day. They're going to long for the bridegroom. So there's some piece of that for me as I'm just kind of because I'm having my quiet time in the morning and just reflecting on that, you know, this, this relationship I have with Jesus, it's, I mean, it is, it really, he is the bridegroom. And, and to get back to what you kind of, Joel, you gave me the, a break there as I was trying to pass it on to the whole church. And I think that that's a significant piece, but there is a personal piece there too. And, and Jesus was referring to his disciples. He knew them by name. He had personal relationships with each one right. of them. And so, and so, you know it that piece and then it, you know the the call to that have that dynamic with jesus that relationship with jesus in that way and i'm like what well, you just said mark just the conviction that's when i do go after other things um and truly i we had this discussion tonight too you know is every sin idolatry and and uh, we had a little bit of disagreement i i don't think it is I, I think there are variants of sin uh but we can disagree on that but uh, you know there but that aside, so you may, there's sometimes when I'm giving my love to something that should hmm. be to God alone, you know, I'm depending on something, uh, there, there's there's an idolatry there, right? That really is spiritual adultery. There's other times when I'm just giving him the silent treat, <laughs> it's just a bad marriage right now, and, and I'm just not being a very good spouse, and I'm hurt, but I'm still hurting him in, in those ways.
1: So, one of the month- things that I think it kind of ties to um, a point you made in your, in your podcast. And so it, this is a pretty short little book, relatively short little book and little story with Hosea, but like what Mark was saying is it, he was called to do something really challenging, but, but he did it and it's incredibly informative of God's relationship to us. And so yeah, and so, yeah, his book was short. But like you said, you know, we call them the minor prophets. And I've always sort of like chuckled when I hear that. It's like, hey, they still made it in the Bible. Who else? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> they still made the team. So do call them the minor prophets. Always that. But like you said, it's it's just about the shortness of of their story. But short as it is, the impact of it is powerful, I think. I mean, it is it? It goes right to the heart of one of the things that almost all of us as humans can really grasp (laughs) and understand. And we read the story and go, I can't believe, I can't believe he did that. Uh, I can't believe Hosea did that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. easy to say, you know, he was called to do something so hard and so challenging and he did it. Um, And he did it because, you know, I think he really understood now, on some level, that um, he was demonstrating something about God's love, and, and he clearly was. And I don't even know if he knew the big picture, but in the context of everything that's in the Bible, I mean, it's it's one of the most powerful metaphors I've seen in the Bible about what God is willing to do for us. And so, I think that um, that was that was something that's pretty cool about it.
2: I did miss a very I can't believe I missed this opportunity in the, in the message on Sunday. But I completely glossed over the uh, this whole thing of uh, raisin cakes. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. Here's the meaning. I, I didn't really describe the meaning. It basically was a, a delicacy that was uh, eaten at these kind of pagan you know, idol worshiping kind of things. And so basically that was tied into that. But I just think, wouldn't that be the coolest name for a band, the Sacred Raisin Cakes? I mean, I'm just thinking maybe maybe our One Hope Church worship band, will just kind of be called the, the Sacred Raisin Cakes.
0: I think you might just be slipping a- right into heresy that. with that one. I don't know. I may edit, I
2: I may edit that part out.
1: Absolute biblical support. <laughs> from my position that raisins are terrible and evil and they should just oh, you like be raisins. expunged oh, from my okay. life oh no oh yeah no well, god god is happy <laughs> you can edit that out yeah you're, you're, what kind of person doesn't the,
2: like raisins <laughs> you passed the hosea test i'm sorry Joe, god
0: go god clearly doesn't like raisins i think we've established this <laughs> um okay so gomer commits adultery over and over again uh, gomer sorry, Hosea takes her back. Um, I think there's a, you know, there's a conviction like we've talked about that, that you you feel as you, as, as you get over that mental hurdle and can put yourself in the position of Gomer and in ideally that, that, uh, produces a repentance and, and going back, knowing that, that, uh, you know, our spiritual husband, that's still hard to say. It's so easy, much easier to say, Father, our spiritual husband. Um, you know, is there to forgive us and to accept us back. However, uh, and and I do think that's all that's all accurate and 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 where most of the application is. However, when you go through Scripture and and as, and we're talking about the the husband, father, bridegroom, etc. that's always God. But every time it's referring to the wife, it's not referring to a person. It's referring to the church. It's referring to Israel. It's referring to Judah. It's it's referring to the body. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. If we understand then, and it's I mean, obviously, it's I don't think there's any disagreement here that that the body is actually in adultery, not just mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. right? That that the church is an adulterer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't be saying to, to love like Christ loves the church if the church wasn't an adulterer, right? The, the, we wouldn't have these analogies over and over again. And, and every single time, it's not talking about an individual. It's not saying you and you and you. It's saying Israel is saying the people of God, it's saying the children of God, is saying the church. How do we repent and return as a body?
2: You know, the first thought that comes to my mind is that there is, in, in one sense, there's not a separation so much between Israel mm. and the Church. I mean, it's just the people of God, and, and so what what God did for the Israel, for wandering Israel, who's committed adultery, we, we're Israel, we are right. we are a continuation of that story. And so, so in the Hosea story, you know, there's that there's a period for Gomer as as she represented. Uh, you know, Israel going astray, um, and then she represented. You know, when Hosea told Gomer, he bought her back, and then he said, you know, he said, "Okay, first for a time, you're not going to have sex with any man, including me." It's basically what he what he said, yeah. and I believe that was kind of alluding a little bit to, uh, uh, even kind of prophetically of of that this you know, time before the coming of the Messiah. Uh, in, in that it was there was going to be this period of uh you know no temple the temple's destroyed and 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 there's kind of a you know 400 years of silence you could say there's there's no prophetic word given during those centuries and until the bridegroom comes and then there's uh and, and even of course then there's this kind of hiatus there's a jump to the second coming and as the final consummation but uh, um all that to say i i don't i don't know that we can figure that out. I, I, it's, I don't want to say it's not our job to repent. It is our job to repent, but we can't try hard enough to be a really good spouse now. It's the church, you know, like we got, we got to be a pure bride. know, Jesus has made us pure through his blood. And so it's the continual thing of, you know, he laid down his life. He bought us back, done, you know? And, and, uh, and so there's, at some degree, there's a resting in that. Uh, and of, of course, the response is we want to live, live in faithfulness. But I um, I, th- I think in the in the story it's it's, it's done. You know, we, we've been bought back. We are safe. We're secure. We're we're. He's made us faithful. He's, he's, he's purified us in his blood. He's declared us righteous. We're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, the pure, spotless robe. Now, how does that play out in the day to day of what we could call sanctification, which is kind of us collectively trying to Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, maybe that's another kind of side to the question of just. Uh, but at, at one level, just a caution to not um, to uh, not see this as okay. We gotta we gotta purify the church now somehow, and uh, so we can do that. And not commit adultery.
3: At the same time, that brings up a, a point too, though, that the church collectively can get uh, distracted with. Um, with causes that can become idols Uh, we lose we lose sight of our real mission and purpose and uh, I don't know what those can be but I think it's good for the church collectively to be mindful that we always stay focused on um, on uh, uh, what's what's going to build the kingdom Uh, you know we want to fix things here but if we get too focused on one thing or another or a cause or whatever i think that can become an idol for the church or for an individual individual or for you know the church as a whole but certainly different congregations and i think you look at that if you look at different congregations or if you visit sometimes you when you come in from the outside you kind of you see these things where they've kind of shifted into that slowly that they don't really see that they're that they that where they're going is is idol worship you know they're they're missing the point uh do you get what i'm saying i mean am i yeah i do
2: there? i i think i do totally get, i i know what you're saying there mark i, I agree with that 100 and i want to go back to what joel said i maybe this is what you're getting at because that is an interesting dynamic we're talking about the church corporately i mean how how do we we can think of how do we individually repent of things but how do we do that as a group you know as yeah. Uh, well,
0: and I think, because I think we've all, it, and similar to the God's king, God is, you know, father, there's, that this applies individually, it applies to the, the big, you know, church, the, the whole body, it also, you know, bodies or or churches, you know, small C's churches and things like that. So I, I think it's not or, or either or, it's and, it's, mm-hmm. it's all of them. Yeah. But, I think we there's not a Christian out there that hasn't seen churches bodies go astray. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's it happens. We know it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've and I and I was gonna come to this too. I even though the the time away. I mean it's it's really poignant that that section where he takes her back and says, you know, you're not going to be with anyone, including me. Mm-hmm. And while while that's, I think it's a really neat kind of prophetic vision of the 400 years, it's also accurate in how you deal with an addict. And it's, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. in my personal experience, God's done that with me multiple times where I want to like, when I, when I, when he welcomes me back and I want it to be like, all right, now we're good. There's many times a, a period of, Separation. There's a period of like, no, you're back. I forgive you. You're welcome. There's going to be a separation for a while, mm-hmm. and I've experienced that multiple times. I probably shouldn't, you know, be admitting that on a podcast because it's also admitting how many times I <laughs> I go astray. But no, um,
2: I'll I'll, I'll agree. Know. I I experienced yeah. that too. You know, I and I'm a big grace guy, and and you're totally forgiven. But just experientially. I don't think it's just a psychological thing that there is when I've sinned and I've repented there, there has been for me too. A, you know, it's, it's often a graceful thing that I go through, but there's, there's a, there's a grieving over that. And a, a, I think a sense that you've hurt God, you know, at some level and, and, and there's that relationship has been, well, I think
0: um, there's a dysfunction in hurt. it as, as well as, is, is, as... When I leave the presence of God, that's a that's a really good euphemism for however I sin. <laughs> um, when I leave the the presence of God, it's usually because what I'm doing, if it's not every time, I'm I'm actually just going to try to fulfill what God has for me. I that I don't want to wait for, or I don't want to, you know, uh, or I don't trust God to provide. So I'm going to go this way. I'm going to get it myself, God, right and. I think when I, when I, again, we come back to this kind of sex analogy, which is so hard. The reality is if, if Hosea takes Gomer back as if nothing has happened, he's feeding her addiction. (laughs) He is, he is, he's allowing himself to be her fix and not dealing with the sin issue that allowed her that that drove her away in the first place. And I think God does that with me as well. And that, yeah, I could let you back and I could pretend everything is good. And it is good. I've forgiven you, Grace. Yes. But you can't use me as your spiritual (laughs) whoopee. That's not how this works. And I think that's, that's the separation. I think it's just a healthy thing.
2: And jumping back then, you know, switching metaphors to the father, son. I mean, we just read he- did Hebrews, you know, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges yeah. every son whom he receives, because he loves us. He wants us to grow.
0: Anything that uh, any kind of burning thing that you that we we uh, skipped over or, or glossed too fast or or didn't talk about? It's easy to miss
3: the obedience that's so uh, so obvious, but uh, Hosea's obedience is just incredible. Uh, so there's that obedience piece. But
0: Hosea and uh, um, to me, it's the it. Hosea's obedience is right along with this, the sacrifice of Isaac. Is mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. I the the willingness just to say yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's something. Um okay. Well, uh we could probably talk about Hosea for another hour, but we'll we'll close it there. Um if you guys don't mind, I'll just say a quick word of prayer and we'll wrap it up for this week. All right. Good. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Um even the even the ones that are uncomfortable. Uh, and Hosea is an uncomfortable book. It's 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 an it brings to light our adultery. Uh, it brings to light your unwavering grace, forgiveness, and acceptance of us, and your complete knowledge of our adultery. Lord, help us to be obedient, like Hosea is. Help us to be repentant. Help us to Help us to come back to your arms, Lord, and live in your embrace in a in a healthy, intimate way with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.